Hey, Peter. Hey, Aaron. Don't you, I'm going to dare you to listen to stuff. Intro. Music. We put this shit out uh, on a whenever we feel like schedule. So some part of me is like, yeah, we should hammer, we should no. hammer home an intro thing. No, let's the make the hand, intro that there's who, no intro. Who cares? Um, who who cares? cares? I'm Aaron Armstrong. This is Pete Moran. Uh, we're typically the hosts of We Love to Watch, a movie podcast. Uh, every once in a while, we do a few sidecasts. One of these is Don't You Dare, where Peter and I, pretty good friends now for years. Um, pretty good? Pretty good friends. Yeah. You were at my wedding. Was that your wedding? I wasn't in it though. Nobody was in it. I didn't have groomsmen. I know. I don't. That's what, what I mean. I don't think you have good friends. <laughs> at best, you have like uh, uh, acquaintances you're friendly with. Yeah, I was like, I okay, just kept best asking friends, guys if Peter, they wanted fine. to be my groomsmen, and they were like, and they were like, uh, are you sure you want to do that? Isn't that a little old fashioned? And I was like, definitely. And it was weird that they all said that to me, right? Yeah, fine. We're best friends, Peter. Best friends. Best friends. Um, and uh, I forgot what we're talking about. Yeah, so about techno? we recommend. Well, not yet. So we recommend stuff to each other. The idea being that um, we recommend a piece of media that the other person has not experienced or has experienced minimally. Uh, typically, this is an album or a movie that doesn't really qualify for really love to watch or a video game. It's been a comic book. Um, and there's one of three categories. We're either doing it as a, hey, you're my friend, pretty good friend, and I would recommend this to you because sometimes that's what friends do. They give recommendations, and because that's the only time good. we're legally allowed to talk is through podcasts, we've decided to uh, incorporate incorporate general recommendations into podcasting. Um, two, uh, usually kind of a nostalgia thing where this was something that meant a lot to me or I was really into at a certain point. Uh, I don't know if it's good, bad. Maybe I'll be revisiting it too, and 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 have some thoughts about how I feel about it. But I want you to experience it as well, so we can uh, have some fun about what fifteen-year-old Aaron or fifteen-year-old Pete thought about something, or see just a general kind of go fuck yourself. I hate this thing. I I experienced it. Uh, no, you do too. So that uh, uh, I have someone to talk to, talk about it with. Uh, so this one we do. <laughs> I this just need one, someone to talk to, man. I just need someone to talk. To. Yeah, it's not like my. You think my wife is talking to me about uh, fucking Max, that movie I hate? No, because uh, she uh, also didn't like it. Uh, I'm, I, I'm a crucial plane. ingredient to your marriage, is what you're saying. Uh, I think probably we both are crucial. I mean, we're definitely consistent ingredients in each other's marriages right i mean uh, once a week we disappear i i, I do think that the, uh, like all jokes aside i do think that there's uh some sort of sickening uh sickening uh uh codependency going on where we're actually making uh by by doing this show we are making our uh our lives with our mutual wives uh better i think uh, that's true because the amount of shit I try to get Shauna to watch 
is I think has gone down precipitously because it's like oh yeah it'll just I'll be watching uh, weird Italian horror movies but Sean doesn't have to watch them because I'll talk about them with Peter either through the show or through text like um, <laughs> fine you know who will watch this our marriage is two point five. I Everything don't even need to get Peter to watch it because he's seen it five times and keeps talking about it. Like, can you imagine if I tried to get my wife to read Berserk so I had someone to talk to? <laughs> At the second you had to explain that you had to read it the other direction, she'd be like, absolutely not. So this week, uh, instead of recommending something specific, because I... I'll be honest, this was, uh, this, what we're going to talk about today was a very huge part of what I listened to, probably like seventh or eighth through, through, through when I was probably a, I don't know, junior or senior in high school. At some point, I, this is true, and we can maybe talk about this later, I got more into, I don't want to say grunge, way late, but like, I was super, I got super into like, Live and Stone Temple Pilots and a bunch of other stuff like way late. Um, you mean like you mean like what they used to call alternative music? Yeah, alternative, but like not like indie and whatever. yeah, but not modern rock. Like modern rock got like not like like the Lincoln Park and like the post two thousand Creed stuff. Like like the the nineteen ninety eight to nineteen ninety eight stuff, and then mixed with like some more contemporary bands that were making like really good music, like Ben Folds and. Uh, bare naked ladies uh, and stuff like that, but uh, so I, it's it's techno music. I was super into '90s techno. I was telling Peter earlier that I had, if you guys remember, CD booklets, which was a way to to display your CDs on the go because you could put the little booklet in one side and the CD in the other. I had two separate ones. Eventually. Uh, two different sets because as I kept buying albums, I had to keep buying CD booklets. Uh, and one was techno. And then one was just all the other stuff I listened to, which was a lot of uh, random stuff. And I think, like, the best way I can describe it is I feel like people, especially at that age, tend to have uh, – I had an eclectic mi- mix in music. I wasn't one of those people, which is fine if you are, who, like, only liked one thing or one genre. But I think a lot of people end up having a genre. Right. So even though I would have called us at the same age, like ninth grade, Smashing Pumpkins, Melancholy and the Infant Sadness, like my favorite album of all time, Mm -hmm. I would have said my favorite type of music is techno. Um, That was like my genre. And also the one that, you know, I kind of got to be in a weird way, the one who was discovering stuff. I had one friend who liked techno and him and I, a guy named Mark, we would go to all the different music stores and try to find like these remixes and search on the internet, which was relatively new to find like what else we should be listening to and stuff like that. But it was kind of like my thing. Uh, I did. He was he was uh, about a year older than me. Uh, he's the one that got and got me hooked on it, but then you know, pretty soon we were were recommending stuff back and forth to each other, and I just got super into it, and it was something that was kind of like my genre that I got to be super obsessed with, and um, and I tried to get a lot of other people into it, sometimes successfully, sometimes not, uh, but I just I really it it's it's funny how much stuff I like knew about how much stuff is now like completely forgotten that felt really like big techno to me at the time and how much stuff uh 
has hung around in in different ways that I never would have expected. I'll I'll say I'll spoiler for a couple of songs we're going to go through. Like the idea that Junkie XL is known for like movie soundtracks and people know who they are and that Daft Punk is like one of the biggest bands in the world is two things that's very funny to me knowing like I had to import and specially order the Junkie XL album in 1997. <laughs> like uh, and that Daft Punk was uh, Daft Punk too. I I got had the import version of Homework because I could not ever find one. So I finally found an import one that cost me like twice as much because I needed to hear uh, Defunk. Um, you got to hear Defunk. I got I had to hear Defunk and also uh, the bass. Um, <laughs> While we're there, real quickly, yeah. my brother also got obsessed with Homework and would listen to it all the time. It was so, like, unique. And, and I remember there was a lot of stuff at the time of, like, oh, is, is techno going to be huge? And there was some stuff that crossed over, like the Prodigy's third album, Fat of the Land, you know, had a lot of, like, uh, stuff on MTV. And uh, same with, like, uh, there was uh, Moby eventually, like, when I was waning out of techno, stuff like Fatboy Slim, and Moby kind of caught on, but I'd had their earlier stuff like that. That was like no one knew who they were at the, at the time. And it just was ultimately a genre that I eventually just kind of aged out of and then would still like occasionally check in with artists that I really liked, but just got interested in other stuff as it happened. So it's not like something that I ever said, um, this sucks. But as anything, when you get super obsessed with a genre specifically, you end up liking the stuff that holds up well. But you also end up liking some stuff that's very funny in uh, in retrospect. So instead of like making Peter listen to the Prodigy Experience or uh, which is their first album uh, or all of like Daft Punk homework, which you may have heard some songs off of, it made sense to me to make a custom playlist of a kind of a mix of the different techno stuff that I listened to at the time. As a way to uh, talk about what it was like being that big of a techno fan. Uh, so some of these songs are songs I loved, but are also examples of a trends in that. Uh, that is worth talking about, I think, a little bit further. But I'm also really interested, like, what Peter thinks about. So that's why I, I dared Peter to, uh, to do this. And I will say... Really quick, there's essentially like two different kind, there two or three different like techno types of styles, or at least there was in the 90s that people talked about. I was very much more in the electronica type of techno, which probably is reflective, Peter, of the the music that you listen to. I was not so into the ambient stuff. So even though I had like Orbital albums and God Lives Underwater and stuff like that, I was not. Um, I was not as big a fan of that. I liked the stuff that was super manic and fast and that I could listen to when I was either like uh, driving driving myself or driving around in cars with other people or just like, you know, uh, doing chores with headphones and stuff like that. When you were like, driving in cars, were you driving in cars with Jerry Seinfeld? Uh, with boys, specifically. Oh. Mainly because well, no girls would talk with me. <laughs> I'm just wondering if Jerry Seinfeld. I was listening to so much uh, You were driving in cars with boys. I'm wondering if Jerry Seinfeld was one of them. Um, famously dated a high school girl. He dated a few girls at my high school, but none that I was friends with that I rode in cars with. <laughs> I think that's the common thing of all high schools is that probably Jerry Seinfeld dated someone from each one. Um, famously likes high school girls. Jer- he, he, he Jerry picked, as I like to call it. <laughs> Yep, he cherry-picked them. So, yeah, so Peter, really quick, before we start going through track by track, you mentioned your brother was super into homework. 
Uh, we had a funny exchange where you said, oh, you like the earlier Chemical Brothers stuff, which w- for me was the contemporary <laughs> Chemicals Brothers stuff. But um, I sent you a song uh, way earlier than when, when I, we, before we decided to do this that I decided not to include because you're like, well, I hate this. Uh, but I included a different Moby track, early Moby track instead. Um, what did you ever have like a techno phase? I'm, my guess is that by the time that you – uh, were like into music because I mean you were born in 1991. All the stuff I'm talking about is like essentially released between 1990, like uh four, five, and 1999. Like that's kind of the stretch that this goes yeah. to. So I imagine this stuff was kind of like funny and also techno. Partially, I think because Moby becoming the the weird face of like techno from a cultural from a cultural perspective and like Eminem being the biggest thing in the world and and without me is like nobody listens to techno type thing like i remember uh liking that song liking uh Eminem at the time and but feeling like people really went like oh yeah techno sucks after that especially yeah i <clears throat> um i had a brief EDM phase for about 2 to 3 years um and but it was not techno it was, it was post techno um yeah. it would have been when i was in a freshman in high school going into sophomore year and then going into junior year so i guess like whatever two and two to two and a half years and it was it was primarily guided by bands like justice and simian mobile disco so more like edm focused stuff but pre pre dubstep definitely and pre, yeah and, and uh never really about Techno to me was too erratic and anxiety inducing. It was it was too about uh, seeing how many BPMs you could get into a song, but not just make it a fucking stress test. At the time, and also the te- textures are so important, right? Like textures separate generations. And when I was 15, 16, like I was into if it was if I was listening to dancey music, it was probably wherever dance crossed over with hip hop, and then. Yeah. Uh, if I was listening to just straight up, you know, electronic dance music, it was like more in the justice mold, more of like the European centric the yeah. daft, and following the Daft Punk model, which is more melodic. It's way eventually like homework. It's ra- um, not random access memories. What's their second album? Why am I forgetting? The one with one more time on it. It's hard, with a hard, uh, stronger on it or harder, better, faster, stronger. Yeah, yeah. There's, I mean, it's great. Their second album's great. Yeah, that, um, that's mostly, that's where I think like bands like Justice and such in the Europe, the sort of France section. But that, that yeah, I, I do feel like techno kind of fused more with um, disco like beats where it's, it's like, it's not the same as like what Jennifer Lopez is playing on the back of her songs, but like. Daft Punk starts moving closer to that, and then other bands start really teaming up with more uh, hip hop stuff. So you have like we talked about Chemical Brothers, like uh, Galvanize, or like even now, like you have like DJs that would probably twenty years ago be making techno albums, like Calvin Harris. Like I'm just going to do a Rihanna album. I feel like instead of becoming its own thing, it just fused with everything else and dissipated. Yeah, and, and like some of the stuff that, that bled into my early... So I was into the Chemical Brothers in junior high a little bit, but not not even stuff I would consider techno, uh, but I would consider, you know, dance music. Uh, yeah. More like push the button era, era. And then when I got into high school, I got really into uh, We Own the Night, um, which was... Uh, more inspired by the later european stuff it was not about bpm it was not about 
Um, it was not about speed. It was not about friction. It was about, uh, it was, it was more melodic. Um, but uh, some of the stuff that I listened to in, there was like, I think DJ Spooky was one of his names. Um, yep. That stuff was bleeding more from like techno was losing its its appeal, and then it was taking the people that were more trance, uh, trance influenced or trance yep. guided. They got to survive, um, or you know they got to evolve. Yep, <laughs> that was an accident. <laughs> it felt dramatic. I felt it felt good. Um, uh. But the but the guys who followed trance got to survive, and I liked some of those albums, like DJ Spooky. But stuff that was specifically techno focused uh, was either novelty music for me, or just wasn't my scene. And and that doesn't mean that's, that 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 reflects how I feel now. But at the time, like my idea of retro was like a love for like really like. Delor music you play in your DeLorean, like '80s synth pop kind of stuff, yeah. and that's kind of the stuff that makes me want to dance more than like because I I associated like the 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 techno with that time with like just anxiety and stress the same way I associated metal with anxiety and stress, and yeah. now I've actually sort of like lifted it. And, like, I'm really into a lot of doom metal and, and like, not necessarily speed metal, but I'm into, like, a lot of more uh, traditionally anxiety-inducing music uh, as I'm older and more more comfortable. You know, this is this is 15 different bands or 14 different bands uh, or uh, groups or whatever else. And I had hundreds of CDs. So just know I'm picking some ones that have stayed with me. But even even then, listening to these albums and listening to some of these songs and picking some songs for this was a little bit of that as well. So it's a lot of preamble. We're going to get into the music. So number one, uh, a band that was, was uh, probably one of the bigger techno bands, uh, and that is The Prodigy. And the song I picked is off their second album, Music for the Jilted Generation, uh, called uh, No Good, Start the Dance. This song Prodigy's tough because um, th- their big album Fat of the Land, which had uh, Breathe, Firestarter, and Smack My Bitch Up, which is aged great by the way. Um, their techno became a little lap more uh, bigger, bigger beat stuff. Um, and I really liked their first two albums that were a little 
felt smaller. Uh, Prodigy Experience being uh, their first album, especially like where it was all like piano techno. I really loved piano techno. It's not uh, which uh, Moby was earlier, where they basically just are using keyboards to create like recognizable keyboards to create techno songs. Um, it's not a surprise that later on I really got into Ben Folds and then Elton John and all that stuff because I've always liked a good uh, fast-paced keyboard as percussion rock song or techno song. Um, but I I feel like the, the, the song that I probably listened to the most was this one. And it just has it, – it. it's such a great intro to, like, techno what it is. It's a it's a seven-minute song. Uh, it has one line that's kind of catchy that repeats over and over. It changes a few things up here and there. By the time the seven minutes goes up, at least for me, I could listen to it, right? Like, you could just play it on repeat. Why not? It, it's, it's compelling enough. So – uh, Peter, had, I'm just going to assume you have, you, you tell me if you've heard the song before. Uh, what did you think of No Good? Start the dance. Before I get into that, so, yeah. um, you said this is, this is, uh, more off of their, this wasn't as, you know, the anxiety inducing fast paced stuff, right? Yeah. Because this is not what I pictured you kicking off the techno playlist with. Um, it does, <clears throat> because as someone who does like a lot of electronic music and like my, but I was more like on the electronica side and like boards of Canada and Brian Eno's stuff. And it was more, and, and then on the other side of that, more like sad, uh, <laughs> more thoughtful, um, uh, sort of, uh, electronica. And I liked, for instance, like I was more of like a Moby play era than Moby techno era. Right. Yeah. I liked Moby play. Don't get me wrong. But I, I was more on that era of things where yeah. it was more about like setting a sort of vibe and atmosphere of texture. And I'm yep. going to talk about textures and atmospheres a lot. Because that's kind of, as someone who doesn't, um, as someone who... Are you going to talk uh, about the band atmosphere? Because they're typically considered rap. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to talk about textures because I know that'll bother um, some picky eaters of the podcast. So, um, but no, the tex- textures... Can't eat bananas. <laughs> what I'm going to talk about a lot here because that's primarily the way I engage with music. Um, structure, I- I'll get into sometimes, but like... a lot of it is not like a super classical understanding of of music so while we're there um this movie uh this movie uh no good uh uses a a technique that i like in uh, a lot of electronic music which is um sampling old r&b and sort of looping it right yep um and, and there's this this recent uh edm Artist which Paul which is. i should note like when i listened to this i didn't know it was a sample i thought they got someone to record that line over and over right which like, for some of these for some of these songs that sound like they're old r&b samples they actually they, just they did yeah so i i i personally love when songs get into a funk and they sample old like vinyl cuts and that like actually really jives with uh, an electronic artist that i'm really really into uh called against all logic like a contemporary uh, electronic artist i'm really into called against all logic and uh the textures are totally different he's not going for beats per minute or whatever it's not techno at all but like he that's what this song kind of reminded me of and how i connected with it is like um uh, adding a sense of humanity to the song with really warm textures like cold beats and, and warm texture textured uh vocal um vocal samples yeah so you liked it kind of uh yeah 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 it's it's not like it's it, it's not like exactly in my wheelhouse but this is the, this is damn close to like what I like 
Um, and I do, I do like the song. Like this is yeah. getting close to like what I already like is what I should say. I feel like for like albums I listen to the most, like if I was going to pick a techno album, it would be hard not to pick the Prodigy Experience, which is so much different than the later Prodigy stuff. It's imagine this with like more like all pianos, right? Like that's actually one of the few techno albums I re-listened to in the last 10 years. And I was like, yes, yeah, some of it, they have a lot of like uh, tendency to do a lot of cartoon voices in there, like for the, for the sample beat, which is kind of funny, like, wah, nah, wah, nah, you know, like, which is, it, you know, 1992, it now seems a little bit funny. And I feel like music for the Jilted Generation was a little bit of like, we're going to sound a little bit darker, a little bit less um, piano bass. Uh, while still kind of keeping a generally uh, like a good vibe. Um, and it wasn't until like, yeah, where it's all of a sudden like uh, Fat of the Land was their big one. But it was that was the I'm a flyer starter. And it was like, I liked that album. Don't get me wrong. But it, it was it was an album that I listened to like three or four tracks on essentially and then moved on. And it was it was a lot more aggressive where this was something I would especially I remember Working at a video store, like one of the gas station ones that I worked at, not the main one, where I would just listen to music all day. And this was like the perfect, I'm just going to put this album on. And a lot of times when I got to No Good and it was done, I would go and hit, I would hit back because I just really, really liked this song. This is going to sound kind of corny, but one of the things about good techno songs is that when you kind of get into their groove, all of a sudden the seven minutes doesn't seem that long. Right, because they aren't supposed to like be chorus verse chorus verse bridge. You kind of are getting into a mood more than you are like listening to a a song or singing along to it or something like that. Now, if you don't like the song, seven minutes uh, is interminable. Uh, but uh, yeah, it it is even re-listening to all these songs, which I did a couple times before we recorded. Peter, I was kind of surprised. Like, yeah, that was good. I could hit repeat on that right now. While we're while we're talking about Firestarter, uh, I need to tell a personal story. Um, when, when I you was st- in, when you burned down your house, I knew it was you, Peter. <laughs> so in 1994, my uh, my home uh, burned down. Uh, no one was injured, uh, but it destroyed like. The Did you? Floor. Well, that album didn't come out till three years later. Did you write the song Firestarter? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, hold on. 94 wait hold on what year did the house burn down i was a kid no no no. it, it was later than that it was like 96 or something we moved well the, the album house. came out in 97 yeah we we moved into the house in like 94 and then i think it burned down like two or three years later anyways um dryer fire so i had a dryer fire a couple years ago not fun not recommended yeah it's it's uh i thought i thought we fixed that um i thought that was just a thing that didn't happen anymore nope. um so anyways the my uh i think within six to nine months or whatever of the fire uh that fire starter ca- song came out and my mom got really into it and was listening to it all the time and then there was like sort of a conspiracy theory going amongst the children that my mom set the fire um which is actually a microcosm of how actual conspiracy theories work which is like well obviously houses don't just burn down there has to be a culprit <laughs> <laughs> and it has to be our mother. Um, so we yeah. we went through a 9-11 arc about four years before 9-11. You guys are like, I'm just asking questions. <laughs> if only someone could disprove it, which you can't because we're not going to ask mom about it. <laughs> She's very into the prodigy right now. Uh, so the next song, you may go, why did you play another prodigy song? Right after it, it is um, Voodoo People, the Dust Brothers remix. 
Rock the house and 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 Rock the house in, rock the house in, rock the house in. is because this is such a, uh, a big thing. If you were into techno, this happened to you all the time. Was that you could like a techno song and and you would realize it's you you actually didn't like the song, you liked a remix. So when I got Music for the Jilt Generation, I was extremely excited because I loved the song Voodoo People. Which, let's just say, uh, I don't know. The, the level of sensitivity is probably not great. And so, like, I'm listening to Music for the Jilt Generation. I know Voodoo People's, like, track eight. I'm excited. And then it gets there and it sounds nothing like the song that I've heard before. And I'm super bummed because I'm like, that was like, I, I didn't even skip to it. I'm like, I'm going to listen to the whole album, but I can't wait for Voodoo People. That's the song I know off this album. And it sounded like guitar-y and bigger and I didn't like it at all. And I was annoyed. Come to find out that the song that I like is actually not Voodoo People. It is uh, Voodoo People, the Dust Brothers remix, which is might as well. And this was true. Like remixes, I feel like in I actually did some research on this because I'm like, I feel like I knew what a remix was before most of my friends did. And it's because, yeah, like it was techno artists um, following some trends from the 80s that really got into like, oh, I'm just going to take like this one little beat part of a song or even just this the vocal hook and make a whole new song around it. And then it became a little more popularized with like hip hop and, and R&B and stuff like that in the late 90s and early and then early 2000s. But yeah, like the you could have a remix. The, the remixes were basically completely different songs, which is why this is true, Peter, and embarrassing. You would sometimes hunt for singles of of songs that would be like eight different remixes and basically you're getting a whole album that has a tiny part of the song but they might as well be all different because the songs are so different so they would yeah, they would have these like restructured and you're getting a an, a little sniff of what you wanted but not actually the thing you want but they'd still be like six like i remember having i think it was loops of, of fury the chemical brothers and i remember having the lords of acid crab louse one they were like 10 bucks and there were 60 minutes and they 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 were basically different songs like a couple would be pretty similar but and i think and so the reason i included this is because a i really liked the song and b it is the whole hook of the song which is that like kind of hypnotic rock the house in like like where it's very calm but in theory it's saying something that um should sound more excited because you are quote unquote rocking the house in um that i really liked that's nowhere on the original Voodoo People. Like, that's that's a sample the Dust Brothers added in. The actual Voodoo People song, which maybe I'll play a snippet of right here.
people, voodoo people, da da da. Which is and the this... one I'm more familiar with. Okay, so you had heard that one. The original, yeah. But you never, that's so funny because this is the one that was on MTV Amp's album that they made. This is the one they played on, like, that I saw a music video for. This was the one I was familiar with. And then I get the music for the Jill Generation. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this, again, so this was a good example. I also like this song. I still liked this song re-listening to it it is hilarious to me that you know the the actual album cut more than this one did you like this at all uh yeah the this song reminded me of no good in that like it had a sort of like funky it was more going for like a funky beat than it was like bpm and like for that i i, I was grateful um it was it was it was not like a punch you in the face thing the, the, the thing that's funny okay so we're talking about like textures talk about textures there's these warbly or warpy sort of matrix noises that they use at different points. Uh, yeah, yeah. That make make me laugh more than anything. Like I don't think they're cool. I don't think they're stupid. That would be that would totally be your experience listening to the Prodigy Experience, where you're like, oh, that's a fun little piano like dance thing, and then they would do something like super cartoony, and you go, oh, that's kind of funny. Yeah, um, and it was more like yeah. I, I, it would more be like, oh, that's dorky, and not like that's dorky i hate it it'd be like oh that's dorky but the novelty is there because like that is what for an era that sort of specific sort of warpy um trying to emulate like this sort of aol (laughs) like like sound um that was cool to a generation what (laughs) yeah and i think it ultimately holds up better than like when the prodigy was like uh decided to have a quote-unquote lead singer and like who was always yelling like uh, club shit? Like we take Rohypnol, <laughs> um, <laughs> baby's got a temp. Like it, it became not so good. Uh, definitely it's, not so good upon upon. It, no, uh, no, it sounds good. You don't like that? Uh, uh, so the next song is actually what you're saying. It sounds good. So the next song is one of the uh, a song you may have heard from movies. Was a band that uh, I actually liked a couple. They had an album called Dead Cities, which was released in 1996, which became a little bit more of the like um, Chemical Brothers e techno. Um, if they have a song called We Have Explosive, that kind of represents what they went to a little more. But God, did I love this first album, this uh, Accelerator. Uh, so I chose Papua New Guinea because it's probably the most well-known song. really well what i like about the album but this was an album i used to listen to all the time when i went to sleep um i really love the opening track to expander um it was an album where it felt like um it it felt like a techno concept album where um 
sounds and little like beats and rhythms would would go throughout the album and it, there was basically no dialogue throughout it it felt like the music of a dream that's how i felt when i was in junior high uh so i, I apologize that that sounds douchey but uh that is what this music it felt otherworldly in a way i had trouble explaining um and even re-listening to both uh, i listened to this song and then uh, expander which i didn't put on here um i still was like yeah this does still like give me a feel in a way that I can't quite put into words. So first, I, I wouldn't be surprised if you had heard the song, even if you didn't know it was by uh, Future Sound of London. What did, what did you think of Papua New Guinea? Uh, so <laughs> we have to talk on this. There was, there was a weird period in the mid to late 90s where um, sampling... This is actually World? 92. This is like super early. So this this is an interesting thing where like electronic and electronica bands started sampling world music and that that meant a few things. So like there was like Enigma Return to Innocence was sampling or even recorded audio from uh, a sort of like um Native American uh chanting or Native American song. Um, and then there were lots of songs, like I remember a lot of EDM songs using or techno songs using like the Muslim call to prayer or similar sounding sort of like uh, Arabic world or North African uh, music. In, I, I don't, well, I'm interested in, where you're going with this because I don't this, think this song does that. This song has like Enya-like chanting and it's It's just that of, one, yeah, I mean the lady just going, in, oh, 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 oh. It's bringing in a sort of like world music faux spirituality that I think is really interesting. Like this, and, and it, you see it in a lot of the album covers, this sort of like a lot of third eye sort of visuals, yeah. a lot of like faux Buddhist. Well, visuals. Peter, it's because they were doing drugs. They were doing, <laughs> they were doing drugs. Got it. And they needed a way to sort of centralize their, um, their drug experiences. And they I wasn't doing that. drugs, which they is why it was, it's so funny that I loved this music so much. <laughs> I yeah, was getting high on my own supply, Peter. <laughs> you're you're limited endorphins. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, yeah. So what did you think? Yeah, about this it's one? interesting that this song like it tapped into something that I had sort of assumed about uh, electronica from this era, and uh, it, it, it's true. Like this sort of Enya-like chanting, or, yeah. Like the sort of world music influence um, is very interesting. And there's a later song that's like a Goa trance song that uh demonstrates oh conga fury it, okay so yeah so there's no central through line for this song which made me very which means like i don't really have much to comment on other than that yeah i mean there's there's, there's no like, real dialogue it felt like an exp- it felt um unlike every other techno album i was listening to at the time i'm sure there are other ones where again like it felt like a, a techno concept album it was 70 minutes it was different songs but it was it felt like it was like I don't know how to say this without sounding dumb, Peter, but it felt like I was like taking you off into the dream world. <laughs> That's what it felt like to me at that time. Anyways, we're going to go on. Uh, so the next one, Peter, is again, a, a band that uh, was, it was so hard for me to find this album. The amount of albums I had to order from the digital kiosks of Sam Goody, where they're like, not in stock. It'll never be in stock. Do you want to order it from our warehouse is high? This was one and it would take like six weeks. And it would cost me like 20 bucks, which was like a million dollars at that age. And uh, to get the Junkie XL album, which is a uh, band that 10 years ago, if I said it to anyone, people had never heard of it. It was my example of how uh, I could probably use Juno Reactor. Like, oh, there's techno bands you've never heard of that I used to love, like Junkie XL. And now, thanks to Mad Max Fury Road, 
a lot of people know who they are because um, they they make some great scores. But uh, I I decided not to do dealing with the roster, which is the other kind of song from this. It was a mishmash of like more like traditional like techno stuff, and then like this. I know you're gonna dig this. I loved this song, which is like, so this song is somewhat embarrassing now, but it was like punk techno, I guess. And it was like nothing else that I was listening to at the time. It's not a surprise that at some point I got more into uh, actual punk music, I think, because this was like, uh, this felt like nothing I'd never heard. Uh, Even though, again, kind of funny, uh, both by what band made it and listening to it on on relisten. Uh, what what? Yeah. The, I'm assuming you've never fucking heard this, and we're like, this is Junkie XL. Um, yeah, I had never heard uh, Junkie XL outside the soundtrack work and some of the later sort of instrumental stuff. Yeah, and I was and I was really surprised because this sucks. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's not very good. It's not good. It's not good. <laughs> it. It's really just like it's it's really just like it's not it's not bad in the way the last song was or the bad the the last song I couldn't really find a through line I couldn't really grab oh so you didn't so bad it's fine you don't have to like you so you didn't like Papua New Guinea uh I I liked fifteen second moments in Papua New Guinea all right that's fair but it it was just I I couldn't find a through line I I can never gel with the song it felt like I was weirdly listening to like a mashup where the the person got bored of whatever song they were doing every minute and a half um this this was just kind of like bland boring stuff like I was expecting it for to be Junkie XL I was was expecting to like get grabbed by like melody or get grabbed by (laughs) texture or get grabbed by something but it's just yeah it was this was what I was expecting uh, a tech, sort of- yeah, a techno song where they're singing chorus and verses and screaming them. Like for me, it was like this is different than anything I listened to. It's, yeah, but you're right; it sounds like complete garbage. Um, I'm gonna skip the next one on the playlist. Uh, Are you? I am because we should talk about it at the end when we talk about Lords of Acid. Like we got, we just we'll just talk about that dude in in whole. Okay, because there's because I have so many so much. More oh, we got. Time. Of course, we're going to talk about the Praga Khan, but like it makes it. Why talk about it outside of Lords of Acid? Got it. Got it. Um, got it. All right. Yeah. So, keep moving. What What do we got next, Aaron? Uh, so next one is again one that I think is still a legitimately good song, a legitimately good band, a legitimately good album, 
which was uh, the lead single or the lead song uh, from their uh, second album, uh, Dig Your Own Hole. It's the Chemical Brothers Block Rockin' Beats. techno albums i bought because it kind of was like it was 1997 had two albums uh that were actually like big for techno it was this and it was the prodigy's fat of the land and it inspired all these uh rolling stone articles like is techno the music of the future (laughs) um spoiler alert it was not but yeah like this and setting sun which was uh the fifth song off of this album that had um uh, that had a core like it was at Noel Gallagher just saying over it. Uh, I feel like became uh, really big, and then Chemical Brothers stayed with me. I liked their album, their 1999, their follow up to this one, Surrender, which I remember showing to a lot of friends. And then their ne- uh, Surrender had Let Forever Be on it, which then uh, had that, ama- yeah, and had that amazing music video directed by Spike Jones or Spike Jones or was it Michelle Gondry? Michelle Gondry did that one. Sorry, I had those director series. I'm forgetting. I think Michelle Gondry did Let Forever Be. Sounds Anyways, right. I, okay. Um, I, have those, and, I have those DVDs uh, from Best Buy as well. <laughs> I, I don't remember, though. I think probably the last, like, I, they're to their Push the Button album, which really morphed into, like, uh, backing backing tracks for hip-hop music for the, not all the way, but somewhat. Um, I really like, too, especially we, we've talked about, um, uh, the time has come to. Why am I forgetting the name of the song? Galvanize. Galvanize. I'm like, I don't. Think yeah, it's that was the song that I was in love. That with song in like rules. Eighth grade. I, I re-listened to it. I'm like, yeah, no, this with Q-Tip. This song is awesome. Yeah, that actually that song got me into Q-Tip. Uh, after that, I got into like Tribe Called me Quest. Me too. Of, yeah, I was late is, for Tribe. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 when I got into Tribe Called Quest, it was, like, after I had had a brief period for, like, nine months when I was in junior high where I thought hip-hop sucked because I was only exposed to, like, uh, TRL-style hip-hop. Oh, and then, and like, Master P. I, th- I don't want to yeah, make them say, uh. <laughs> want to make them say, then, no, thanks. Yeah, like. I, I had that phase, But even, too, like, yeah. Lil John Usher era, like, that was yeah. the stuff I was getting flooded with. So I finally, so I finally like I. Yeah, that's why I have a special affinity for uh, Chemical Brothers, and particularly Galvanize, because like though I don't think Galvanize is better than like the best ten uh, Tribe Called Quest <laughs> songs uh, or fair. the best ten Q Tip songs individually. Uh, it introduced me to a whole world of like uh, hip hop has always been amazing. It's just sometimes the stuff that is making a zillion dollars is not the amazing stuff. Sometimes it is. Um, yeah. And, and, um, and so, like, that's why I have a special affinity for Chemical Brothers still to this day, because it, like, opened my musical worlds up. So had you never heard this song? Because you, this is one you oh, sent I had, me a text on. Yeah, oh, you works. had? Okay. 
Yeah, uh, but I, I I was more saying like the album that this came. From oh, because I sent the the Spotify one I linked was a greatest hits, not the actual album it came from. Yeah, yeah, and I hadn't he- and I also hadn't heard the album that it came from after I did. So had, did, did, so had like, you ever heard uh, Setting Sun? Uh, that's on Surrender, right? No, Setting Sun's also on Dig Your Own Hole. Oh, then I hadn't heard that. No. Okay. So, anyways, uh, we'll go to the next one. Leave you far behind by Lunatic Calm. I did have this album. I think I only listened to this song, but I loved this song and it was on every set. Sa- like it was on five or six of those soundtracks. I assume that they gave it away for free. Like, oh, you're making a techno soundtrack. We'll have this lunatic calm song that's laying around. There were short versions. There was instrumental with no dialogue. The weird thing about this song and why I put it on here is not only because it was ubiquitous and a song that I really liked at the time. Uh, it does I'll say it does nothing for me now. But I think also this would have been what I would have described as, like, the techno music I liked. That noise where after he says, like, I want to take you on a roll. Like, na 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 Which people just heard because I said it and then I played a little, but now I'm mouthing it. Like, even though that is probably not representative of almost anything we've talked about and and probably wasn't representative of, 5%, uh, of 95% of what I listened to that was techno, I think in my head, this was like what I liked about techno, this kind of propulsive, electronic uh, computer car engine running. That's that's how I'm going to talk about these different songs because I'm running out of verbs. Yeah, uh, yeah. What did you what did you think about this? This song's this song's a clusterfuck. Um, I it's it's just this BPM race that I was referencing earlier. Uh, yeah, it's finally here. This BPM race. It doesn't. It, it, it would be impossible to dance to unless you're on drugs uh, or do not understand how beats work. Um, it's anxiety inducing in a way that uh, I don't find is productive. Like if you're going to if you're going to make me anxious, at least make it like some fucking doom metal or something like give me it. Give me an atmosphere that I can really grab onto. But that's the problem with some of the, the, the really like just BPM sprint songs in this is that I'm getting just this stress test kind of feel but without any atmosphere to justify it like i'm not getting a stress test and then being taken to another world i'm getting a stress test and and the song is reminding me like hey this would be a lot better if you were on molly right now a lot better yeah and it was like the reason i mean why it worked well or was on a lot of soundtracks i guess i don't know if it worked well it's because like it's a good action scene song how many action scenes do you get in in your actual life um and, and that's the, the other one. thing though is that we should we should touch on to sort of loop back techno has an amazing place in movies because in movies you're living vicariously through the character and as you say in your life there's not that much uh action action scenes like even when i'm working out like i, I want some melody i want a sense of like dramatic build um even for metal i want a dramatic build i don't want just speed 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 but sometimes when you're watching action movies you just want like 
something to help grind you into the 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 excitement of the moment and so techno works great i i included this because it feels like generic techno song number one it doesn't actually have that much flavor but if you were like hey what's techno music you could play this and people would get a sense it feels like a fruity loops default sample to me yeah yeah that's fair um next one is conga fury by juno reactor The, the, the song uh conga fury to me i would assume it's a novelty song uh from the 80s like right after it was that tarzan well we'll get to tribal uh, dance people <laughs> which, between voodoo people conga fury and tribal dance on this it does seem like uh aaron what was the weird trend towards something indigenous? aaron you were traveling the world with techno as long as, as as long as like a, a white british guy was a white skinny british guy who's uh, eyes are, occasionally would say feel it feel it to people yeah. uh, whose eyes are uh redder than a can of budweiser um you could not actually uh, enjoy the world um and these guys took you on a tour of all the parts of the world that they've done drugs in yeah uh so this was a band uh so conga fury the three minute version was on the mortal Kombat annihilation album uh which was one of my first my two gateway gateway drugs to techno were uh two unlimited's greatest hits and the mortal Kombat annihilation soundtrack and um this was on there. I kind of ignored it because it wasn't very Mortal Kombat-y. But then later I was like, oh, like, again, the techno choices at the Sam Goody are eight albums. Seven of them I have. So I picked up Bible of Dreams because it was there one day. And it was – it was. It, I actually ended up really liking it. It was different than everything else I was listening to. But it became something that it was, it was uh, a little bit – it was like the orbital that I liked all the way through an album <laughs> – it didn't have the propulsive moments. It didn't have the one or two songs that that stood out aggressively. But it it was sleep music. It was like relaxing techno. It was uh, it, I I don't know. I didn't really like it that that much this time around. But it's fine. Uh, I liked it because it did at least had an atmosphere to it. Uh, yeah, the sort of go, goa trance thing is kind of cool. Um, if and- I could, if I could find the three minute version from the, which I'm sure I could if I looked, I think I would like it more. This is unlike No Good Start the Dance, where even upon re-listening, I'm like, oh, six six and a half minutes. That's fine for the song. Uh, I was not like seven minutes. I don't know. I would I would actually be pretty into this if it were like uh, if it were set for like a sort of chill cocktail lounge kind of vibe. Yeah. Or I could probably be into this if it was going for actually making me dance, but it's kind of too chill to dance to. Um, 
too chill to dance to, and yeah, it's it's an, it, but but a little bit too propulsive to just be ambient. Yeah, yeah, and I like a lot of I like a lot of uh, particularly I like a lot of straight world music that's just like sort of feeling the vibe. You like straight world uh, sounds like the worst theme park of all time. <laughs> straight world. Uh, it's also called Branson, Missouri, Peter. I didn't know you liked it so much. <laughs> oh, that's just a town. They charged me fifty bucks to get in. They handed welcome me to Pepsi. Straight World. <laughs> they handed me a Pepsi at the door. But the Pepsi had a uh, a coupon on the can, so if it went back to the gate, I got $15 off the price. The only techno music in Straight World is that Lunatic Calm song. <laughs> <laughs> Straight World, the only pants are cargo. Cargo pants, bring your cargo. <laughs> you guys got cargo, right? Straight people got tons of cargo. <laughs> Usually, unfortunately, just various sizes of Glocks. It's a bunch of keys that we don't use anymore. <laughs> what what if I need the... that key? Maybe I'm what wrong. If I gotta go to my U-Haul key. right now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So this the song's good. I'll actually I'm gonna group it in right now to uh, Cirrus's "Stop and Panic." Stop and minute version is on the album which i did buy uh, another good example of when i was reaching bottom of the juno reactor's not bottom of the barrel but i was like there just wasn't that much that i could get my my hands on i'm like well i know Sirius from the soundtrack i guess i'll buy the album and stop and panic is on possibly a remix on some other album i had and i really liked it it was like three minutes and it was propulsive and stuff like that and then like i hear the seven minute version and i'm like yeah, okay. This is worse. And I'm running out of bands. <laughs> Did you like probably didn't like stop and panic at all? Uh no, but it was yeah. it, it, it uh it at least had more melodic complexity than the uh, lunatic uh, calm song. So like at least it it felt like uh, a, a a composition to me. Uh, it just wasn't my vibe. Yeah, and it, and even for me, this is like again, it's not that I didn't like st- uh Cirrus. I liked the the remix three minute version of that song. They had a song on called "Back on a Mission" that was kind of okay and and break in, which I kind of knew. But one of the things with techno is that it really was, and why I initially had that as one of the last songs on this mix for you, Peter. But we'll just get to it now, so we can talk about Lords of Acid till we're, we're done with uh, a time. And some of this is just because there wasn't that many techno bands. It was kind of new in the way they were doing all the stuff. Some of it was access to music. I was subject to whatever I could find at the various expensive CD stores or what they're, you know, I could actually order in. And so at some point, you just kind of hit the barriers of what you liked very quickly in techno music. So even though I had a lot of albums, when I was starting to buy Juno Reactor and Surus albums, it wasn't because I was like, holy shit, I got to find that Prodigy album or that Moby album or whatever else it was. It w- was just because I was or like... It, it was just because I was kind of out of options if I wanted to continue to listen to new 
techno music. Like Chemical Brothers can only put out albums so often, you know? So that's a really good example of, I don't know, I guess I'll spend 20 bucks on this, which I think is also part of the reason why I eventually kind of got out of techno music. I needed to find other music that was new that I liked, um, and I was I was out of techno music. I had hit... So the next two are early songs from um, bands that everyone knows, which is Moby's Every Time You Touch Me... Every, everything is wrong and uh, going out of my head from uh, Fatboy Slim's uh, Better Living Through Chemistry album. They definitely changed their style. Moby especially. Moby was very, like, frantic, piano-y. Like, uh, I would call it high-pitched te- uh, techno music. And then, yeah, with Play, which holds up better, kind of changed to a more atmospheric and um, less techno, more, I don't know, natural beat music? Whatever. Um, and, then, and then Fatboy Slim, I feel like, didn't actually change it. Uh, like, if going out of my head feels similar to other Fatboy Slim songs it's just eventually people were like oh i kind of like what he's doing and he had like three years where yeah between the rockefeller skank and praise you and a uh, weapon of choice that people were really psyched about fatboy slim i loved fatboy slim when i was a kid um and it was largely later stuff and it was weapon of choice it was praise you and it was a uh, Rockefeller skank. Uh, it was stuff like that, just like the big singles. Um, Praise you for me though is the song that like held up best. Um, at when I I dove back. Um, because of of this little challenge, I actually uh, think I actually think Weapon I dove of back and holds Praise You sounds like Praise You sounds the most like what I listen to now. But yeah, that's true. Weapon of Choice is um 
awesome still it's a yeah. really funky song it really has a nice sense of um forward momentum but without being um really desperate <laughs> um there's a sort of desperation in some sort of uh, some of the the edm music where like if we're not exciting at every fucking second like there's that's the other problem is it's all fucking gas which sounds cool but like even fury road um decides to take its foot off the gas a little bit and let you breathe because it knows like that sort of sustain and release is like how music works whereas a lot of the techno music is like we're gonna hit you within a minute with all the blast it's only gonna go up from there there's a couple songs on this list that like build up to the big explosion I'm not like enjoying the build up because it's it's like the the construct the, the sort of texture and atmosphere that they're building is not particularly um yeah charming to me and i always felt like so fatboy slim i always felt like if most techno music either like soundtracked sci-fi or action movies fatboy slim was the only techno band that um i guess maybe with apollo 440 which uh, probably band you don't know what what the fuck i'm talking about peter uh not on this list uh that soundtrack power man 5000 got it (laughs) no different (laughs) what it's like what worlds come (laughs) Um, oh, but, uh, yeah, like, Fat, Fat, <laughs> Fatboy Slim soundtracked comedy movie. That's what kind of techno he did in my head. Uh, yeah, but I know you liked, uh, so Moby is such a weird case, because, so, Moby did a remix yes. of the James Bond theme, um, I had, I had Animals, I had I Like to Score, I had everything, like, I really liked Moby, but it was a lot of this stuff, like, if you listen to Go, or Aha, or... So many of those other songs from this album and his next one and his next one, like, it's just like he was like this frantic piano techno guy that I really loved. And then Play came out and it was just completely different. I really loved Play. Um, Did people but think like, he sold out? I know. I don't. I mean, I, I knew one other person that, that really liked techno, Peter, and, and they liked Play, too. Uh, it just it felt like a just a different person. And then by the time you get to his next album that has like, we are all made of stars. It's like you might as well have been on a different planet than the person who made this this song. Uh, um, uh, every time you touch me, like just seven years before. Yeah, um, I did. Did like you know that he Bond used to the- do this? Not as much. Like, I knew that he used to do more straight techno stuff, but I didn't know he had, like, album evidence of it. I thought that was more, like, in his early days, and then he, like, kind of grew into being more of, like, a sad electronica guy. But I, but that's, you know, I'm, I'm uh, biased by uh, the way his career trajectory grew, and when I became aware of him, I became aware of him because of play. Um, yeah. That was the album also my brother was willing to, like, play around my family. Um, whereas, like... He would play all sorts of weird shit for just me, but like play, he played all the time because like my parents didn't mind it. Like my mom yeah. liked it. My mom, my mom actually has like kind of fun taste in music. My dad doesn't, but like my dad, as long as it can sit in the background, my dad doesn't care. Um, yeah, who doesn't? Who doesn't? Who's gonna be like turn this porcelain shit off? <laughs> yeah, like, but like, uh, my dad would find early, early Moby very disconcerting if he had played it. So that's part of the reason my brother like kind of inherently knew when he was thirteen or whatever that fifteen that he could get away with it. And so I'm very familiar with play because of that. Uh, it's a shame that Moby came out to be such a weird fucking dude. And like it had that weird thing where he was like talking about dating Nelly Portman. And yeah, like- he, he's only gotten like at first it was like, OK, well, he's kind of nerdy looking. He Eminem dissed him specifically. 
in like one of the biggest songs of the 2000s. And then, yeah, in the last couple of years, he's like, I used to date Natalie Portman. And then Natalie Portman's like, no, you didn't. He's like, yeah, we did. I mean, oh, whoops, the world's against me. God, I guess we didn't. I'm sorry I interpreted that we were dating yeah, Natalie yeah. Portman. He, he didn't quite get me too'd, but he did get like a lot of people were like skeeved out by that interaction. Including like, yeah, me. why would you throw that out there when you were 35 and she was 19? And then when she's like, dude, we didn't date. You were a creepy famous guy who like came around me. And I wasn't psyched about it, but we just took a couple pictures together at your request. He's like, no, Natalie. <laughs> Always saying we didn't date like <laughs> you know? uh yeah, I mean he basically is, right? He's he was uh so it just like Fucking yeah, nerd. not a good look, Moby. And also you're already someone that everyone goes kind of a weirdo. Uh next one is a band that probably most people know as well. Uh the Crystal Method. Uh, uh yeah, that's a that's a, that's a even just for their name. Um, I think they they kind of uh, stuck around in my consciousness as like a late 90s techno thingy. Yeah, and they had like a few songs that people knew quite a bit of. Um, I I debated whether to put Trip Like I Do, which a lot of people know, especially because uh, Filter Filter did a uh, like a full lyrics and chorus over the actual song for the Spawn soundtrack and it kind of became a hit. Um, even though I like the who, who fucking remembers Filter, right? Uh, hey man, nice shot and all that stuff. Um, but uh, I like the original version better, where it's just the opening to the Dark Crystal, and then a lot of cool, uh, weird old guy going, and then the crystal cracked. Um, and then they had Busy Child, which was on a lot of soundtracks, which was good. Probably in my top three techno albums, uh, and I really liked Keep Hope Alive quite a bit, but the whole album was really good uh, for me. But again, and one of those bands that I kept up with after, for a couple albums after, um, I was not as into techno. I know they had an album that came out in 2002 I was pretty into. Did you did you have any uh, affinity at any point in your life for The Crystal Method? What did you think of this song? uh no no uh it didn't really click with me at all uh which is a very boring uh observation this was sort of later into the into the pot the podcast sort of it is later into the podcast it was later into the album where my sense of my my sense of charm for the novelty had uh had grown weary a little bit and i stepped away and then i could step back um for some of the later songs um oh you know what so here's the other big thing about this album though Sorry, I almost forgot to mention this. So they had another song in here that rules called Coming Back. I actually feel like you would have liked Coming Back more now that I'm looking at this. I should have done that one instead. Um, but so there was a a, a, a a PlayStation game that I used to play all the time uh, called Nitrous Oxide, which was like this um, 3D Space Invaders, big PlayStation guy. And uh, they licensed where you basically are like shooting bugs, but going through this tunnel and you're... 
uh, you're moving in uh, 180 degrees around while you're shooting and, and going through this tunnel. The entire soundtrack was this album. And it ruled. And I remember my friend that, and I that like techno, he had a PlayStation and I used to go over to it and it was a two player game, split screen game. And we used to essentially listen to this album because the album uh, was the soundtrack to the game and play it. Um, that also just brings me up like uh, one of my favorite games was Wipe the Wipeout series, Wipeout, Wipeout Excel, Wipeout 3. And they, all they used is half of these songs as well. Um, it was, uh, you know, that future like F-Zero PlayStation racing game. Uh, and it and it ruled to have the techno soundtrack. Yeah, like I, you know, I, I think I said earlier, movies are a great application of techno, but games are arguably games the best do because yeah. games are just about sustain, sustain, sustain. Just keep going, yeah. keep going, keep going. And games very often, like even games people like, are uh, don't know how to you know let their foot off the gas for a second, and especially games in that era were just like. Oh, yeah, this is an incredibly intense thirteen minute experience, and then it's over. Yeah, and I mean, that was perfect, right? Like, uh, Wipeout, I don't know if you ever played any of those games. But I did, it's like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like 300 mile an hour racing. Like, of course you want to hear fucking Keep Hope Alive. That's perfect uh, future racing music. Um, what else do we have here? So we have, uh, I don't know how much we need to talk about these. So, um, Tribal Dance by Two Unlimited. A 90s dance group but they were very like people constantly think correctly that uh the mortal Kombat theme was ripped off from the song twilight zone which i didn't include maybe i should have and then everyone remembers like y'all ready for this that was too unlimited but they had a ton i I grew up in the chicago suburbs so yes i do remember um being y'all ready for this yeah uh i was i was y'all ready for this at any given moment that was, so I bought their greatest hits album. That is the worst song on that album. But uh, they had a lot of songs like this, which were like, if you stripped up the vocals, they were techno songs, but the vocals were fine too. Um, I've definitely used them um, on some of our We Love to Watch. I think I used their song Maximum Overdrive on one of the Mad Max episodes. This was like uh, my intro into techno in, in some ways. And uh, this song sucks. What do you think, Peter? Uh, it's not good. Um, some of the music sounds like it's like stock music for a 90s period piece. Um, and this is this is one of them. Uh, next one is Propeller Heads, who you probably knew, right? Um, yes, from the Matrix stuff. Uh, that's where I'd heard of it. Um, but I, I wasn't super familiar with like individual tracks because, again, it was it would be 15 second splashes of their music. It wasn't like. It wasn't like, oh, yeah, that's that song where the lady hits the really high note at the top of the chorus or like that's it's 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 techno. That's one of the problems. Is yeah. Like some of the songs kind of blur together. They also used uh, Shirley Bassey uh, for history repeating, which I think I used as uh, one of the Groundhog Day app. This is one of those. The reason I included Bang On, which was my first introduction to 
the propeller heads is because um, they did use that song Spy Break in the Matrix when they're doing all the shooting and stuff like that. But for most people, they were probably like, oh, that's kind of a cool song. And now it's going to be on the Matrix album. For me, it was like, oh, they're using that propeller head song. Yeah, you were you were in the rare camp of people who actually were familiar with this because like I think for a lot of people, maybe I'm speaking from my own experience being like whatever a child, but like I think for a lot of people, they were introduced to a lot of the music that uh the Wachowskis uh put into the movie um from the movie. Uh you know, obviously I think everyone had heard like some of the new metal R- Rob Zombie stuff before, but like for a hell of a lot of Americans, like, hearing that shit on the Matrix soundtrack was yeah. their first exposure to it. I imagine, I, you know, we don't have uh, Rob Zombie uh, uh, interviews in front of us, but I imagine Rob Zombie uh, was able to tour more internationally after uh, the Matrix because of the, how huge of a success the Matrix soundtrack was. Um, and and Rage Against the Machine ca- decided to stay broken up. Yeah. <laughs> It is amazing though that they that they It's amazing though that they were able to not only get arrangement against the machine song into that album um into the movie but because but it's a band called Rage Against the Machine Daft Punk is... Everyone loves pro- Daft Punk. It's the thing that's aged best on this mix, but I was happy to hear it. Uh, yeah, it's just, again, they, they've they aged and they have settled into different trends and have gotten more disco-focused. And, like, like, Get Lucky sounds a little like this Daft Punk, but not much. I'm surprised since you were going techno-focused, you didn't put, like, Alive on there. Um, cause that, that's, a, that's a song that's very much about like, it's a heavy fucking beat. That's a song you could dance to. I love Daft Punk. I love this entire album. But I was this surprised was... you didn't put that on because like that to me is like, that's, that is, uh, that's, that's Daft Punk, uh, connecting with the rave scene on, on a major song release. So I, I picked this one cause this was where I first heard of Daft Punk because of the Saint soundtrack. Oh, what's this cool? Like, I think we called it like seventies area pimp walk music. At yeah. the beginning, it becomes like this whole other thing where it's like, like, and it was like, this is so insane. Yeah. And then, of course, and then Around the World kind of became a hit. Around um, the World and Harder, Better, Faster, Stronger became huge hits. Uh, harder, Better, Better, harder, Faster, But Harder, harder was... Better, Faster, Stronger was three years. Like, that's in the second album. Yeah, but Not I'm saying that. that's like, that's primarily what people think of, I think, for Daft Punk is like that year. Oh, like, now they, they have, can like, get fucking... lucky. They had right? fucking um, Michelle Gondry music videos, and yeah. um, they had uh, anime music videos as well. And I remember like watching Daft Punk music videos on a uh, on um, my parents' computer, like trying to get that shit to load on like a very ancient version of the Cartoon Network website. Because for whatever reason, Cartoon Network had been paid to uh, host uh, 
a lot of cool, weird EDM music videos. They were, I think they were trying to parlay into sort of like youth culture stuff. And that's like, where we I know what the people who watch our shows listen to. Yeah. And that's where I got exposed to Daft Punk. And in that era when you couldn't just hear that shit, you know, any given second, there was no YouTube, there was no Spotify. Um, I was, I was like, uh, it added such a, not even a novelty. That's too light of a word. It added like a sacredness to getting to hear Daft Punk like that. So yeah, last, last thing we'll talk about here, which is a great button. Oh yeah. Is, uh, is basically someone who, so I, I put two, two songs. I put Praga Khan's Injected with the Poison. Injected with, and which is a really great example of a song that had like injected with a poison and then like really like somber beats and then like the original version which is like <laughs> like really up there uh beats because Prague Khan likes to remix stuff um and then Lords of Acid uh who was I had all of their albums that they released from 92 to uh 2000 which i think their last one that came out when i was still interested in them as a band was heaven is an orgasm which was a b-side compilation Mm -hmm. um i did not know for a while that they were the same person Uh, i also had uh, an album by a band called channel x called raven the key and x guess what also the same person braga khan uh I also got into techno because of the Mortal Kombat theme, which was done by a band called uh, Shit. What was the name of their band? Like, who uh, is the, the Mortal Immortals. Com- the Immortals, which was also Progacon. Uh, the Immortals released a whole album of Mortal Kombat theme song, which we're not going to get into here. But if you listen to um, uh, uh, the Duckfeed Network, they did a uh, – if you're a patron of them, they did an ad- ad- adaptation, Decay on the Mortal Kombat soundtrack uh, and talked, went track by track through it. I'd recommend it. I had that soundtrack. Uh, when I say soundtrack, I don't mean a soundtrack for the video game. I don't mean a soundtrack for the movies. I mean a soundtrack for the concept of Mortal Kombat where each character got their own track by the Immortals, which is just all this guy, right? And he, you know, he definitely had other people. So uh, Channel X was like super ravey, like high energy. And then Khan was a little bit of... A mix of different techno styles, but without sexual sexualized lyrics. And then Lords of Acid was uh, probably up there in my top three techno bands, which was techno music over like what a stunted 14-year-old thinks uh, everything's about sex or drugs. Uh, not innuendo, but like... What if I uh, bent you over and fucked you? And that's a song. And do you want to see my pussy? That's a song. And what if we had sex in space? That's a song. And you can have sex with a rubber doll. That's a song. And I have big breasts. That's a big, that's a song. Um, Oh, I got an STD. That's a song. But not like uh, a song where like, uh, you know, uh, you were like, oh, is that about an STD? Because it's like he's feeling warm or something. It's like, I got a crab louse. It's itching my vagina. (laughs) 
So the, the techno beats in here, because I like Prabhakan, I like Chen Wax. So we'll just say that, like, I liked the, I did legitimately like the music. Uh, hopefully everything we've talked about and everything that's been left to your imagination is like, yeah, I could, I liked the music that was in these. It had the added benefit of me discovering this when I was, like, in eighth grade. Their first album came out in 92. I probably discovered it around uh, right before, right about the time Our Little Secret came out, or maybe Voodoo You. No, not Voodoo You was 94. Uh, Our Little Secret came out in 96. I, uh, yeah, like, I, it was, it was very taboo. It was, it was, like, easy to be like, hey, check this, this song out. Like, you ever heard this? It's like uh, a, a dance song about, like, uh, a girl singing that she wants to see a pussy. Like, that's crazy, right? <laughs> like, so it was music. It was, but I mean, like, I, I don't know how else to say. I was 13 or 14. Uh, it, it felt, like, super taboo. The artwork and the 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 liner notes all had like you know either drawings of like devils having sex and stuff like that so like it it was like the the albums that i hid away and this is a story i kind of want to tell i know god this is going way longer than i thought but that's fine um so there was i i hid these away my parents never found my parents did find some stuff that i tried to hide from them and some stuff that i wasn't trying to hide from them I remember my dad found I had a new radical CD. Remember the you get what you give people. Mm-hmm. Um and he uh decided to I had it like out on my desk cuz I had just gotten it in my room and he decided to open up and read the lyrics to New Radicals the way why <laughs> kids we, why didn't right? he even include a lyrics sheet? Uh, I don't know. Uh, apparently so my dad could get me in trouble. So <laughs> there's there's a song that's called um uh, I hope I didn't give away the ending on that. It's normally like someday we'll know if love can move. There but are there fucking is rap albums that don't include lyric sheets. Like, <laughs> yeah. So whatever. So Greg Alexander of the New Radicals. That I actually loved that album. That could be a, that could be one of these at some point. There was a song in there called "I Hope I Didn't Give Away the Ending," which is him like basically just telling a story of a drugged out Europe trip. Like we did a porno film for Coke. I hope I'm big in Japan. Like, uh. Or are you an illusion or I'm just getting stoned? So my dad, Chris, just, you know, they were getting – when I was, like, a junior and senior in high school, my dad got super, like, oh, shit. He doesn't seem to agree with anything we're saying. And he's leaving our house? Now I'm going to get – I'm going to bring the hammer down in a weird way. So he all of a sudden get, started getting extra strict as I was getting closer to adulthood. And so um, he, like, is like, let me read – like, he, I remember him angrily reading the lyrics to this song to me. And he was like, um, we did a porno film for Coke. I hear I'm big in Japan. Is that – that's the kind of music you like listening to? Like, that's a song you like? You think that's okay, right? And I remember being like, no, yeah, I guess I didn't know. I just like the hits, you know, like blah, 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 right? And then, like, he threw away the CD and then, like, I bought it again the second I had a chance and just hit it. Like, bad – like, that's not how parenting works. But I have thought from day, forever about like now I don't the Lords of Acid songs didn't have lyrics, but specifically with the song the Crab Louse Peter, I just I have this like it makes me laugh every time I think of like him finding that CD that I actually hid instead of being like here's a message for the girls about vaginas and the consequences of filling with a partner. Mind your labia, they're never out of danger. Like is that what you like, Aaron? <laughs> <laughs> 
I can I can I pay your dad uh, X amount of dollars to come to my house and yell at me whenever uh, I I listen to uh, a particularly filthy rap album? The little vampire, horny and so greedy, it doesn't care about a penis and its envy. It's intelligent, nasty, and it's sick. A party animal, pervert, and pick. That's the kind of music you're listening I'm to. I'm starting huh? to think. I'm starting to think that this lady doesn't have an actual milkshake. I remember at one point too, like why can't you like, listen to nice music me... about this young girl, Kelis, <laughs> who just um, wants to run a small American business on her front yard? Uh, yeah, he must have been like in retrospect. Someday, uh, my dad has chilled out quite a bit, but I, I would like to. I remember he was. I was listening to Cake in high school, and he heard the song "Sheep Go to Heaven, Goats Go to Hell." He was like, what are you listening to? A song about telling people to go to hell in my house? And I was like, I was like, it's a Bible verse. And like, he's like, no, it's not. And I showed him the, because, you know, it's like, you know, I'm 17. I'm like, go fuck yourself, dad. So I showed him the Bible verse. He's like, either way, I don't think they were using it for that. Like, I don't want it in my house. It's just like, oh Your dad sounds like a dweeb. Yeah, he sucked for a while. Like, for, there was a, I don't know what it was. Like, when I, when I became like a junior and senior, he just got insane like anyway um so yeah this uh peter had you ever heard of lords of acid or praga obviously you'd heard the mortal Kombat. Uh, i had heard uh these songs but i didn't remember praga con or anything um but here's the thing as soon as praga con played for about eight seconds i was (laughs) like this is even though i i didn't recognize the name at all i was like this is the mortal Kombat guy i was like convinced i was like 100 percent this is the mortal Kombat guy who? Um, oh, that's because all of the songs go. Who? Oh, dun yeah. dun. Any oh. one of them could be the first two minutes could be just a weird wind up to Mortal Kombat that doesn't make it into the movie or the game, right? <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> hey, Pecan, uh, what do you want to add to this song? I got, I got an idea. Hold on. Who? <laughs> really? We've used that for the last a hundred songs. Okay, wait. Who? Who? <laughs> <laughs> Send it, send it to Columbia Music House. We've got. Oh, Brian Khan, you've done it again. Do you want to name a uh, come up with an eighth band to release this <laughs> hit under? Um, and I actually like I, I I this was the most fun I had here because of the surprise. <laughs> uh, Daft Punk and Fatboy Slim and Chemical Brothers are all obviously yeah. better better bands. You listen to quite a lot of Lords of Acid. So actually, I listen to I, a lot of Lords of Acid, and I listen to a lot of Praga Khan because I was having a lot of fun. I, I sent you one of the album covers because I was like, this is the <laughs> most – This is. Th- I sent you two of the album covers because I was like, these are vile yeah. in different ways. One of them is like this disgusting like late 90s aesthetic of like a baby with big eyes with like a barcode printed on it. Um, and then the it's other like, is that the is Praga Khan album or the that, new Marcy's Playground album? It's hard to tell. <laughs> and then for uh, uh, the Crab Louse single or whatever, it comes with this disgusting image, this pornographic image. Uh, yep. I had to go to confession twice, uh, halfway through the song and then at the end of the song, uh, just to make it through. So you probably didn't get a chance to talk, but I would be curious if you mentioned this to your brother and if your brother knew who Lords of Acid. I'm sure he knew who all these people were, because even though he wasn't really a techno guy as much, I think he was more of a dabbler. Um, yeah. He was uh, extremely prolific, prolific um, uh, in, in terms of like uh, d- d- bouncing around different musical styles and really helped me be um, encourage me that like you, there's literally no reason to ever associate with like a musical movement. You can listen to whatever the fuck you want. Like I remember teasing him for being into Bob Marley. And then he was like, 
No, like he's like, hey, one love, man. He was like, no, I I didn't smoke weed. I don't really smoke weed that much now. This was years ago. Um, he, he was like, I don't really smoke weed now. I didn't really, I didn't smoke weed at all then. But like, uh, I liked, I liked the way that uh, it made me feel when I was listening to it, and like that. There's no reason to feel ashamed for that. Um, and like that stuck with me for a really long time. Uh, and Praga Khan was something that like. I heard all these songs because my brother and I were so into fucking Mortal Kombat. We fucking burned out that Genesis playing Mortal Kombat. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so the album of Lords of Ass I liked the most was Voodoo U. It, it had the exact type of techno stuff I liked. I don't want to say it like was a little toned down from later <laughs> because, I mean, it had songs like uh, Dirty Willie, Drink My Honey, <laughs> um, The Crab Louse. But it also just had songs like that, you know, Proko Khan also thinks marijuana is like taboo and like oh shit i forgot about the song mr macho man fuck maybe this wasn't as toned down but i did Excuse like this me, album steve Dahl wrote the song nacho nacho man okay. no mr macho man i forgot like as i'm looking at the songs um so hold on we're gonna play this live because peter you probably didn't hear this song um we're gonna play mr if macho you didn't man put just... on the list uh there's a pretty pretty good chance i did so this is this is kind of what it was like listening to. Here we go. We'll see if this pl- comes through. Mr. Macho Man, is it true that all the girls want to come on you? What? What? What does that mean? Did you, did you hear the link? Li- Mr. Said- Macho Man, is it true that all the girls want to come on you? <laughs> I, I I definitely didn't know what it meant in eighth grade, but I'm like, this is some pretty explicit. I like it's so, but it's it's like taboo in the way that like saying fuck is when you're in the third grade. Like it's constant and it's omnipresent. And I'm sure that people that I played this music for were also like, yeah, we get it. You know, he's having sex with stuff. Like, yeah, yeah. There, there's a there's a it's it's similar to the sort of like uh macho super militaristic attitude that like was pervasive in like uh when i was gr- in junior high like early 2000s post 9 11 stuff where like this sort of like super militaristic version of macho was huge um uh and and, and i sort of associate that as well with the like uh the edm dorks who were like if i talk about sex a lot i'll get sex a lot and the thing yeah. is, I think, the thing is it probably worked yeah, a little like I do think there's a little bit of truth to that because um because we have terrible sex education and and terrible like ways that we talk about sex and puritanical it does lead to like ooh that person's talking about sex as a signifier that they also have sex which is enough to start like potentially flirting in a way that would lead to dating that leads to sex or what like so I I, I think there is an element of truth in that just because as a culture in a country we're just fucking terrible about sex yes. i do remember one of my good friends yeah when i was in junior in high school we were listening to lords of acid i'm like you've heard this group um and i do here's what i'll say like i definitely enjoyed the fact that these albums felt taboo they felt like they were talking about stuff not definitely not in a mature aspect but like yeah just from a hey there's this this cool techno beat and the the instead of like uh you're no good for me i don't need nobody hook it's i must increase my bust but I remember a friend was like, you don't really actually like this music. You just you just like that it says, like, bad words and sex and drugs. It feels transgressive. It feels, yeah, transgressive. And, like, that's why you like it. But you don't actually like this music. And I remember being, like, I a little bit incensed in that, like, I definitely 
liked its transgressive uh, potty mouth stuff, but I legitimately enjoyed the fuck out of the music. As a matter of fact, like to give you a sense, like the, there's a there's a song in here called "Cheating Mr. Jones." It uh, the album version I had whenever it came out had a uh, instrumental where it didn't have the the lyrics, and I liked the instrumental better. I liked the instrumental of "I Must Increase My Bust." Better because it sounded like I really did enjoy the music. It just had the added benefit of doing something else that's perfect for a junior high or high school. It was like, oh, it's about uh, penises and vaginas and drugs and boobies. Like it did have that, but I I really did enjoy the music. Like I, the other stuff was an added bonus, but also sometimes a frustrating bonus when I had one of their albums and I had like you know sometimes you want to listen to songs over and over and it's like well where the fuck am I going to listen to to this album if my parents are home i just can't listen to it um so uh it, it was a little bit of a double-edged sword being that i legitimately enjoyed the music at the time but think it, the thing about double-edged swords is that uh with a double-edged sword darth maul was easily cra- able to defeat qui-gon Jinn. so yeah but not a parent who would yell new radicals lyrics at you as a way to shame you i i, I dude i really I hate to be the one to tell you this, but I'm pretty sure Darth Maul would be both your parents in a lightsaber duel. Uh, probably, uh, although they do have Jesus, which is the same as the Force. It is sad how much sex education I probably accidentally got from Pragagon. <laughs> yeah. Um, how do you feel about how do you feel about like I was probably like turned off by the concept of a blow up doll because the girl in the song Rubber Doll wasn't happy. With her partner sleeping with a blow-up doll. And I'm like, I guess I guess hot girls who sing on songs don't like blow-up dolls based on Rubber Doll, the song by Lords of Acid. <laughs> <laughs> and I could tell, like, you don't have to interpret the lyrics. That's what I liked about them, because the lyrics are like, they start out the song, if you want sex with a rubber doll, baby, I don't go for that at all. It's like, no great, no mixed messages. Don't sleep with rubber dolls. That was off the dome, Peter. I need to look up the lyrics for that shit. Uh, um, yeah, yeah. You don't need a lyrics genius for that. You don't need your dad. Uh, did you did you end up listening to one of my, my my one of my favorite songs actually though to play for them was did you ever did you listen to Don't Kill for Love? Did I send that one to you at all? Like when we were texting, I think so. I think so. Which is the country music song that they did that turns into techno halfway through. Oh, uh, yeah, Cotton Eye Joe. I've heard it before. God damn it, Peter. That starts as techno. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Completely different. No, this is like there's no techno at all. I remember Love... That was actually... That was my favorite one to play for people, not the, like, uh, Grab My Horny Nipples <laughs> songs. It was the... Uh, just a, like, Don't Kill for Love for, like, a man, and then all of a sudden it just goes into... You know, Mortal Kombat shit. Uh, anyway. I love Mortal Kombat shit, though. So that's thank you for Aaron for sharing this this journey with me that your adolescent journey. I had a lot of fun. I actually did have fun uh, with certain tracks. It sounds like we weirdly lined up on the stuff that still holds up. Um, yeah, give or take a Papua New Guinea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Papua New Guinea thing I think is is too weird and and specific. It's too specific and and esoteric. I think to um to uh to have struck a chord with me um but the the rest of the stuff i think we lined up on like what's kind of just you know yeah it's just kind of trash and what stuff is actually like still still kind of has a funky vibe and is worth and i know this kind of like as a as a setup seemed more like a smash mouth thing but like 
it was kind of fun to go back uh, and, and listen to some of this stuff. It again, it's it's not because like this music in general is bad. It's just because it's just not the music that I listen to anymore. Yeah. You know, I don't seek out the new versions of this, give or take. Like a Daft Punk is an easy one to say. Like, well, of course, I still got their 2013 album and their Tron. Like, you know, but they've kind of evolved beyond this type of techno. Um, and I feel like everyone tried to, right? Like the Prodigy did, Chemical Brothers did, uh, Crystal Method definitely did. Where like, let's have a guest singer on each of our songs. We're not just going to do straight techno. Like it, it feels like the only way to continue to to this the the music of the future, which is what it was like called at one point, just kind of became like, oh, no one's buying this anymore. So how do we take these skills and like? And and move them into other areas. You have Junkie XL who does soundtrack work. You have, you know, Daft Punk who like found a way to change their music to be culturally relevant and popular. And then you have bands that just disappeared off the face of the planet. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> um, and like you know, for my final thought, I, you know, I might not necessarily listen to Praga Khan injected with a poison tomorrow morning uh, during breakfast. Um, but I might make... But you are going to use it as your alarm to wake up to eat it, that Yes, breakfast. yes. I, I will be making, um... <laughs> who doesn't want to wake Sorry. up to... <laughs> hoo, 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 hoo. I will be making cakes of the pond injected with a poison. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, what is your, really quick, this will be the final thought. What is your wake up alarm? What's your, do you have a song or do you just have tones? It's, it's a boom, 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 Uh, so it's a Pragacon song? It's a Pragacon song. Uh, it's one of the default Apple things because I've tried using actual Oh, I know what you're doing. You're going, do, 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 do. It's kind of like the cheery one. Yeah, yeah. I've tried using actual uh, songs to wake me up, and what ends up happening is that I you... hate the song, and it ruins it forever uh, in a similar manner to, uh, you know, the way that um, uh, ringtone songs ended up ruining yeah. those songs. Ruining songs, yeah. Uh, There's this especially... uh, Christian Helsinki song called One Heavy February that's just all instrumental, and it's a really cool little, like, I think it's 45 seconds long uh so i was like oh this would be perfect for a ringtone there's no no lyrics or there's no vocals or anything and yeah. that song to this day is ruined for me because it was my fucking ringtone in high school when the most annoying people on the planet would call me peter what do you want to dare me with for our next episode of don't you dare uh aaron i want to dare you to watch i think my favorite horror show of the past five ten fifteen years like one of my favorites it's uh it's right up there nose to nose with can't wait can i take a guess of what it is uh sure is it so you what are your favorite horror shows it's not hannibal it's years. nose to nose with hannibal though um is it though this doesn't work because i can't remember the fucking name of the show. <laughs> good bit is it today's special the nickelodeon show where uh the mannequin was a mannequin with his hat off, but then became a real person with his hat on. Jesus Christ, dude. I have to sleep tonight. Why would you mention that? Did you ever see... Do you, do you know of today's special? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. 
I have the image in my head. It's terrifying. It was creepy. One time he got lost inside. He walked outside and the wind blew away his hat. And he had to just hope that someone recognized him as a real person. Uh, Like someone that he knew in real life, even though he was far away from the department store where he lived. And hope they had to a find his hat and b know that he was where he was. And it was like fucking existential nightmare where they tried to install into our brains. It wasn't a it wasn't a horse show. It was just like a it was a Nickelodeon in the eighties was insane. They also had the show where it's like, hey, kid, parents suck, and we're gonna dump slime on you. Uh, but yeah, uh, so yeah, I'm assuming you're talking about today's special, and I have to watch all seven seasons. Uh, there were seven seasons of today's special. I just looked it up. You're joking, right? No, I remember seeing like an episode of that, and I assumed it was it was a time filler show that they had one hundred and twenty one episodes. They went to franchise length. They their syndication if they if they if anyone would air it. <laughs> Yeah, uh, if any sort of, like, uh, Halloween 3-style madmen want to just inflict trauma on a mass scale to children, yeah, sure. Look at this shit. The main character, a mannequin with a magic hat who comes to life when someone says, Hocus Pocus Alamagocus. If it comes off his head, he turns back into a mannequin. He cannot leave the store or he will become one permanently. Because he has not been alive for very long, he knows little. However, he's often shown to be a fast learner, a deep thinker. He's a very talented dancer. Uh, though he wishes he was not bound by the rules of the spell that keeps him alive. He puts his friend's needs first. What? Does he want to <laughs> die? Is that what I heard? I inferred from that statement? Yeah, I do. The, the episode I'm thinking of is that for some reason he got a wish granted that allowed him to leave the store for a day. And he was so happy about it. And he got a couple blocks away. None of his friends knew. And the wind blew his hat off his head. And he was a mannequin. And everyone's like, and I remember being like, oh, shit. Like, is that it for him? Because his friends don't know where he is. Yeah, anyways, fun kids show about learning uh, how to be a helper. Horror was just the 80s, right? Like, if, yeah. Like, it didn't even have to... That was not a, a scary show. That was, like, on at, like, one in the afternoon. Anyways, what what do you want to watch that's probably less horrific? Yeah, than, uh, this is uh, a light little comedy show uh, compared to today's special. Um, I want to watch... I want you to watch perhaps my favorite TV horror experiment, um, apart from Hannibal of the past 10, 15, 20 years, whatever. Um, The only truly successful season-length anthology horror show, I think, that's ever been on TV, because American Horror Story is pretty... pretty, uh, I think it would be generous to call it mixed. Um, (laughs) No, I've never seen it. It's not good. Um, What I really want you to watch is the show that puts American Horror Story and all of those shows to shame, Channel Zero. Uh yeah, what's the what's the first season? One. Season one. Season one. It's full of fun. So can I ask you, uh, not having seen any of the Channel Zeros, I think there's four seasons. Uh, dream don't hurt. Yeah, there's four, and I would rank them like uh something along the lines of two, four, three, one. So interesting. So I'm watching the worst season. <laughs> no, but you're gonna watch. You're watching. You're watching the first season, well, which is all. Which is five. Why would five. you say no to that? You just. Uh, yes. I'm not saying it's a bad season, but it, it clearly is, is it, the worst. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't use the terminology worst. It's what like if you, you had use? four amazing pizzas. One is worst. Yeah. Um. 
then uh, if you'd like, you can you can pick. You can read the synopsis of the. Uh, no, I'll start at the beginning. Season. Can I ask you another question? Is there any connection between? No, none, the zero. Seasons? So if you want, you can start with season two. No, I'll, I mean I, that feels bad because I'm uh, <laughs> a little bit of OCD when it comes to. Uh, I mean, I did just play all the Resident Evil games in order last year, just so I could play like Resident Evil Seven, Peter. So yeah, even though those I games like, have like almost no chronology between, except for like. Yeah, but I still did it, so yeah. obviously I'm going to start with it. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm excited. That's, uh, was it, six or four episodes? Um, yeah, it's 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 like six to eight episodes, something in there. It's short. Every episode is gorgeous looking. Every episode is, like, movie quality. It doesn't waste any of your time. Um, and it's scary as hell. Awesome. Well, uh, check back next time for my report on uh, Channel Zero, uh, Season the Worst. And we'll hit you back up on the on the flip side.